How we doing? Okay, good, good. Uh, my wife got back last night. She'd been gone a month almost to Europe, so uh, it's good to get her back. And, uh, and so we're adjusting. How many of you, quick, quick quiz, uh, how many of you get uh, slept an extra hour last night? Okay, how many of you stayed up an extra hour last night? Yeah, you, you can tell the difference between I, I, this time change. Uh, you always look for people that get to church early on this. And you know they blew it. Uh, they blew their opportunity. Uh, Europe, Pam and Mandy last week in Europe, they was their time change last week, and then our time change this week. So she has experienced two time changes in the last uh, week. You do know it's gonna be dark at five o'clock. Okay, uh, so, and your animals could care less, your preschoolers could care less about uh, time change. I'm not here to talk about time change, but, uh, it, uh, it's, it's good, good to be here. Uh, if I say, who is Paul Marcarelli, all of you in this room would probably say, I don't have a clue. But in the early 2000s, Verizon started a marketing campaign using Paul Marcarelli in a, in a gray jacket, and he would be in different places, and he would say, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And it was an incredible marketing campaign that was done, and it put him as an actor uh, on the map. And then he, uh, he, he got out of his contract and went to the competing team of Sprint, and now T-Mobile, uh, he's, he's out there. But can you hear me now? And, and this was a huge deal about trying to see that, that uh, you get to a place and you wouldn't drop a call, right? You would be able to hear them. And I believe that God still speaks today. And I think the question is, he's asking, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And I, I want to, the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this thing about God speaking and calling individuals uh, that, that he has called. But I want to give you some rhetorical questions as we brief, uh, as we broach this conversation over the next few weeks. You have to answer the question within your brain, does God still speak? And does he care to speak to me today? And you have to answer the question, does God still speak? Does God still call men and women and teenagers and children to special assignments in his kingdom? I, I believe yes. I, I believe that God does still speak. I believe that God does still have assignments for individuals and to call these people. But the question that infiltrates my mind is, but does he find a people 
that are worthy and waiting for his call? Does he find a remnant of his children that are still listening for his voice? Does he find people that are willing to say yes and okay and obey when he speaks? Because it's one thing to speak and to waste breath, but it's another thing to find people that are willing uh, to obey when he speaks. The next three weeks, we're going to talk about three men in the Old Testament that God chose out and he spoke and he had a kingdom assignment for them. We're going to talk today about Abram. He will be uh, eventually known as Abraham. Next week, we're going to talk about Moses. And then we're going to talk about a prophet named Jeremiah and how God spoke directly to them. But it, let me give you some thoughts before we open God's Word today. When God calls or when God speaks, He provides the enablement to carry out His kingdom plan. And when He does speak, He has a master plan that He is working out in all of history. So, to think that these three men we're part of that plan. To think that you and I are part of that plan, knowing that we are part of something greater than yourself, and it's not to puff you up, it's so that he can create and carry out his kingdom plan. I, I am afraid we live in a day much like Samuel when his mother Hannah, they could not have children Hannah prayed and she um, uh, got pregnant and had Samuel. And she committed Samuel unto the Lord. So when Samuel got older, she took him to the high priest Eli's uh, house for Eli to raise him. And uh, Eli took about the task of this young man named Samuel. But Samuel is in his bed one night, and it says in 1 Samuel, it says, the word of God was rare in that day. And you remember that Samuel lays down and God speaks to him, and he gets up and he thinks it's Eli, and it happens again, it happens a third time, and Eli says, go back for the Lord is speaking to you. But that word that said the word of God was rare in that day. Was God not speaking or was people not listening? And uh, the prophet Amos, in Amos chapter 8, he's speaking for the Lord at this point, And he says, a day is coming when there will be a fast in the land. Not fasting from food and water but fasting from hearing the word of the Lord. I, I think we live in a day where people are not listening, and thus what is happening is we're having a rare hearing of the word of the Lord. And what happens is we're trying to live off yesterday's bread. And a lot of people are hearing echoes instead of the true voice of God. You want to 
you want to kill a move of God, a lot of move of gods get destroyed by this very reason. You have a man or a woman uh, that hears from God, and they walk in obedience, and they, they're fully committed to God, and they surrender their will to God's will. And what happens is God moves in power. And what happens is, is you next generation comes along, and instead of hearing the voice of God, they hear the voice of the man of God. And what happens is they continue to walk in that. And then you have a third generation that comes around, and they didn't hear from the man originally, or the man or the woman of God. They heard the echo of the second generation. And so the third generation starts discussing on whether what the true uh, voice of God sounded like, and they end up discussing it till ad nauseum, till its death, and then the fourth generation completely walks away from it thinking that didn't really happen. We, we have a tendency to live off echoes instead of the true word of God and to hear what he has to say. And I believe God is still speaking. I think he's waiting for a generation to come around to say, okay, God, I do want to hear, and I do want to obey, and I do want to be willing to do whatever you say. And I speak directly to our teenagers because I, my heart breaks over... Uh, I had a lunch with uh, uh, a pastor friend. He now works for the Baptist General Convention of Texas. And we had lunch the other day, and he said, he said Mark, it's amazing how lack of people uh, are stepping into the ministry today and the numbers that are walking away. And I'm thinking, God, are you not still calling young men and young women into your ministry? It's not st still not happening today? Or do we live in a famine of hearing the Word of God? And so, if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 12. And, uh, and we're going to talk about this man named Abram. And, uh, and I want to see, and, and the premise of this message is, I believe God is looking for men and women, especially young men and young women, to hear His voice and obey. And so in Genesis chapter 12, in Genesis chapter 11, we were introduced to Abram. And in Genesis chapter 12, the story begins of who Abram is and his calling. So I'm going to read through verse 9. Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. 
And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, at Shechem to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward Negev. Now, I want to break this apart and make it as personal for us today as I possibly can. Notice in verse 1, it says, And now the Lord said. Now, how he spoke to Abram, I don't know. Uh, I don't know completely. And how Was it an audible voice? Maybe. Uh, was it just uh, circumstances? Maybe. Did God use somebody else? Maybe. Uh, God can speak any way he wants to speak. And the key thing, though, is that God spoke. And the Lord said, this is the same uh, vocabulary that we have in Genesis chapter 1 when it, said, uh, when it says, God said, let there be light. When God said, let there be plants, let there be animals, he said, let there be. And so it's the same terminology here, the Lord said. So we go back to creation, and when the Lord said at creation, he fulfilled what he said. So whatever he speaks to Abram here is going to be fulfilled. And so when God speaks, he has purpose behind his speaking. It's not just to hit a deaf heart or a hardened heart or deaf mind. He wants to speak to accomplish his kingdom work. And what he's about to do, oh, this is good. What he's about to do with Abram is he's about to set all in motion. You see, Adam and Eve fell in the garden and cursed all of mankind. And so what God's about to establish through Abram here, he's about to uh, establish the whole way that Jesus is going to eventually come and bring salvation to mankind. But Abram is initially hearing from God, and God spoke. And so what has happened is, is the Lord speaks, and he says to Abraham, and he says to Abraham, it's a personal word. It's not necessarily a word for a group. And what made Ab Abram listen? I do not know. Why God chose Abram? Uh, obviously, he saw something in his heart that he knew this was a man of faith and he could trust him with whatever he needed to do. And he was in position to listen. And he was willing to listen. And... How? I do not know. The scriptures are silent 
other than God appeared to him and spoke. Uh, I have a Sunday morning ritual that I do. And I get up early, I uh, shower and get dressed and everything, and I go to H-E-B. Now, if you ever want to shop at H-E-B, go at 6.15 on Sunday morning. There's nobody there. But I, I notice something is when I get out of my car and I'm walking up to H-E-B, I'm hearing the music that is playing over the intercom. I go inside and I can still hear the music. Uh, that's playing over the intercom. And it's playing all the time. I'm just at 6.15 on Sunday morning. Nobody's there. I'm able to hear it. Last week, I had to go by after work. So it's a little after 5. And I'm going in there. I'm not alone by any stretch of imagination. Everybody's in H-E-B, it seems like, at that time. And as I'm in there... I've noticed I cannot hear the music, I cannot hear the intercom, but I know it's still playing, because they play it all the time. It's when the, the distractions are out of the way, then I can hear. God saw a man, Abram, that was willing to get the I'll get it out, the distractions out of the way, and to listen and to hear. And, and thus he uh, heard from God. And notice on, it says this. In verse 1, he says, You leave your father's house and go to the land I will show you. And so it's not a, it's not, he doesn't give him the end game here. We, we so often wish that God, when he spoke, would give us the end game. But he just says, I want you to go, Abram, and I'll eventually show you where you need to go. He didn't have the whole picture. This would be a journey and a process that he was on. I, I think if God showed you the big picture, that you wouldn't be able to take it in. And second of all, if he showed you the big picture you would try to manipulate and think of a man-made way to accomplish that end instead of relying on him. And, and we see this all the time. Pam and I look back at our spiritual journey, especially when God led us into the ministry. Let me tell you something. If I could see the end game and the ups and downs of what would happen over the next 40 years... I would say, find somebody else. But instead he said, I will show you. Just go and I will show you. And we look back at our spiritual journey and we say, oh God, thank you for not showing us that ahead of time. But thank you so much for delivering through that. And so it was a personal thing that he said to Abraham. And notice the results if Abraham would be obedient. There was, there was three blessings that would come. First of all, there was a personal blessing. I will bless you and make your name great. I will personally bless you. God is saying, Abram, you're not knowing where you're going, but you got to leave from this place and go to where I'll show you, and I want you to know I will make your name great. Was it easy? Oh, definitely not. 
The journey was tough. And so if you're here thinking, okay, if God speaks to me, it's going to be an easy journey. Oh, no, it's not. But God has a way of bringing himself glory through that. And he said, Abram, I will bless you and make your name great. And then there was a community blessing. He said, I will make you into a great nation. I will make you into a great nation. And, and, and Abraham and Sarai, uh, we know, were unable to conceive. And eventually, uh, they, would, uh, they would conceive. And they would have uh, Isaac. And we, we know of the journey that went were there. God tested his obedience. But God was establishing a great nation that out of that great nation, yes, they would end up down in Egypt, and then they would come out of Egypt with Moses. But what would happen eventually is Jesus would come from that great nation, the salvation for all of mankind. So this blessing would come in Abram's obedience. And then there was a third blessing in that you and I are in this blessing in, in the whole world. And he says this, he says, By you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. Oh, that's you and me. You ever wonder if you're in Scripture? I want you to know you've been there from the beginning. Because God says, not only will I make your name great, but I'm going to establish a great nation. And out of that great nation, you got to know that all the peoples, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And that's what Jesus came out of that. And we receive Jesus Christ. And he, he brings eternal life to us. And God was setting the provision of salvation for all of mankind. And I believe he is still calling men and women, teenagers, boys and girls, to himself first of all, and then he's creating a calling within them to be world changers. In verse 4, we have the response. And it's three little words. So Abram went. That's the key. He had to get up from where he was, and he had to go. And notice it says he was 75 years old. And I know somebody's going to say, well, they lived a lot longer there. 75 is still 75. And he responded, and he said, at 75, I will go. That leads me to think there is no retirement in God's kingdom. And I realize that sometimes God alters your life and it's time to do something else. We see that all throughout scriptures. But it's not to sit on the sidelines. It's to be used. And at the age of 75, Abram is going to respond. Next week we're going to talk about Moses and he was 80. So we're thinking, okay, God, you got a point here. But at the age of 75, he went. You're never too old for God's call. And Abram was obedient. We, knew what, we know what happened. He eventually is going to get to Cana, and, and the land is going to be, uh, wherever he puts his feet, it's going to be God's, 
God's land. Yes, they're eventually going to get down to Egypt, but they're going to come back, and Jesus is going to come out of that lineage. We know. And so I was looking at the faith life of Abram. It says in Romans 4 that by faith, by faith, Abram, by faith, Abram. And in Hebrews 11, it talks about faith of Abram. And we're, he, he's the father of our faith. You know, we could get up and sing, uh, Father Abraham, right? Had many sons, and you were one of them. Yeah, yeah. We should have sang that in worship. <laughs> but I want to share with you the faith life of Abram and make it very personal for you. Number one, he was in position to hear. He was in position. How was he in position? What uh, Did he have a daily quiet time? Do, did he just meditate? Did he ponder? I don't know. I just know that God saw something in his heart ready to receive a word from God. And I want you to know, God desires for us to get in position to hear from Him. So often, we're distracted by so many things. It's like H-E-B at 5 o'clock instead of H-E-B at 6.15 in the morning. We're just distracted and we cannot hear and we need to get in position. And I know you're saying, how do I get in position in this day and age of of everything that's whirling around us. How do I get in position? Well, I'm going to tell you something that is simple, and I, I say it all the time. You've got to get into the Word of God. Uh, and, and, and I don't mean just skimming it. I mean reading it. And I know many will say, Mark, every year I start the plan you tell us about, and I get to Leviticus, and I just can't handle anymore. And I put it aside. I want you to know, you have my permission to skim Leviticus. <laughs> but you cannot skim John. Uh, you, you need to read the scriptures. Uh, I was very fortunate in that my teen years, I was introduced to reading the scriptures in totality. So, uh, you know, for, for decades now, uh, I read through the scriptures in its entirety, and I know somebody can say, well, the scriptures doesn't change. I change. I, I'm, reading, I'm reading something uh, afresh and anew as a 63-year-old that I didn't get as a 60-year-old. You know what I'm saying? And so the Word of God is living and active. So you need to spend time in the Word of God, and you need to slow down. You need to pull away, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But even though uh, he didn't have the full picture, he was in position to hear. Number two is not only was he in position, he obeyed God. And I think that's a key. Uh, I think it's a key, you know, uh, when we speak and God speaks with a challenge, he speaks with conviction, he speaks with a purpose, he wants us to say yes. And I just pray that I can get to the day that I trust God enough to say yes and then say, what was the question? You know, I'm just willing to say yes. And Abraham obeyed God. 
He wasn't certain of the, where he was going, but he would have certain uh, hard times, but he knew God's presence would be with him. So he was in position. Number two, he obeyed God. Three, he separated from the world. He separated from the world. The easy route for Abram would be to stay in Haran. To, to stay in a life of comfort and ease. In fact, he became wealthy. Uh, the place to stay would have been in Iran. But God said, I need you to leave this place and go to where I'm showing you. And eventually, you're going to understand. And, and that's difficult because our, in the United States of America, we have first world problems which are ease and comfort above all else, right? And so we look for that. And God says, He looks for someone whose heart is bent towards Him that's willing to say yes. And He says, by the way, you're going to have to leave the comfort of where you're at right now. And it may, mean, may not be a physical leaving, but it's an emotional break. It's a mental break. And it could be a physical break from the world in certain ways. And so... Abram was willing to go. And notice what it says on down in uh, verse 8. It, he talks about where he eventually landed and says, From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. Now, you may be thinking, uh, uh, Mark, help me here to understand that. Bethel means house of God. AI means ruined. And I think there's a picture here of Abram when he settled. He settled facing on the east side of Bethel instead of uh, abiding AI. He chose the house of God rather than the ruined state. And what has happened is, is sin has ruined our culture in many ways. We see that all the time. And God is saying, are you willing to pull away from that? Because if you're going to follow me, it means you need to separate from the world. And so that's what Abram did. So he positioned himself, he obeyed God, he separated from the world. Fourthly, he trusted God. He trusted God completely. There's a difference between God trusting you and you trusting God. Because we... We are so fickle in our day when it comes to commitment. But Abram, he the, used the poker term, he was all in. I'm all in. I'm willing to leave and go wherever you send me. So he was all in. And it was total commitment. And total commitment is lacking in our day in so many ways. We, we call uh, our certain culture today a throwaway a culture. If something doesn't fit into our scheme of things, what do we do? We throw it away. We get rid of it because we think, oh, I can't deal with that, so I'm just going to get rid of it. We struggle with commitment. We, we look at marriage today. We struggle with the covenant of marriage that we want to toss it aside. We struggle in so many ways when it comes to commitment. And God is looking for someone that's coming to trust Him fully. And I read the Word of God, and I see it. And yes, God does call you to difficult positions. He's got to get somebody there. 
And so he, he's willing to take his own children and put us into a difficult position. And so often we think, oh God, if I say yes to you, you're going to send me to uh, China, or you're going to send me to deepest, darkest Africa, or you're going to send me to Houston. You're going to send me to... <laughs> By the way, the Astros won the World Series. Uh, uh, but that doesn't mean I have to go minister there. Uh, you, know, you know what I'm saying. We, we think, God, uh, if I say yes to you, you're going to send me uh, to these places. I want you to know something. When I read the scriptures, I, need, I know that God has obligated himself to take care of me, to provide for me. And he says, I love you. I'm full of mercy and grace for you. I, I have your best interest in mind, and I want you to know that. See, that's the kind of God I can trust. I can say, okay, God, I'll go into the difficult positions uh, because I know you've obligated yourself by your word and who your character is, and you will take care of me. And listen, listen. I know some of you are going through hard times. Good night, we're going through hard times. And, and the, the deal is to think, okay, do you ever get mad at God because you're going through what you're getting, going through? I'm thinking, why not me? Why not us? Why, why not? I mean, God's got to get certain people in certain positions for the world to see how believers deal with those things as opposed to non-believers. And so I'm going to trust the Father in the midst of whatever we're walking through. And so... Uh, Abram trusted God. He was in position. He obeyed God. He separated from the world. He trusted God. And last one is this. He pitched a tent and built an altar. And notice what the scripture says. He pitched his tent in Bethel. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Well, what's the big deal? He pitched a tent. He built an altar. What's the big deal? He was a nomadic person. That meant they, they traveled a lot. They lived in tents, and, and they, would, they would set up their tent. But everywhere he set up his tent, he also built a worshiping altar unto God. Now, that lets you know, I'm going to make up a term here. He was a pilgrim worshiper. He didn't worship pilgrims. But he was a pilgrim worshiper. He was a nomadic man that wherever he went, the first thing he did is he, he built an altar to the Lord. So what I'm saying to you is whatever position you find yourself in in life, whether it's a physical condition or a mental condition or emotional condition that God has led you into, I want you to know, pitch your tent there, but build an altar to worship God. You worship in the midst of whatever you're going through. And that's what Abram did right there. So, how do we apply? Right quick. Are you in position to hear from God? Are you, are you spending time getting silent? And, and listen. One of the biggest struggles is people just don't want to hear from God. Let God speak to somebody else, and I'll just hear an echo instead of God speaking to me. But are you willing to get rid of distractions, set your heart 
Are you willing to obey? Are you willing to separate from the world? Are you willing to walk by faith? Go in the direction you don't know the outcome, but you do know who holds the outcome. And are you willing to pitch your tent and, and build an altar to worship God despite whatever you're going through? When we were in Spain, I'm, I'm wrapping up, I promise. When we were in Spain, one of the things we do is, um, is uh, we have an orientation time. And you've got to think, in six days, we talk to people from 52 different countries. Uh, we're just having spiritual conversations. But the house we serve on, right on the Camino... Uh, pilgrims can stay there. They can use our, our restrooms. I call it the Bucky's of the Camino because uh, clean bathrooms. Uh, they come in. They get their passport stamped. They uh, get uh, coffee and tea, and uh, then we're just able to have spiritual conversations. It's it's really an incredible thing. But Natan in our orientation. And we had gone in 2019, and so uh, we knew what to expect. But Natan, who's our missionary there, he uh, is orienting us. And he's saying about the pilgrims that come walking and the people that are going to come by the place. He said, don't use the word free. And everything doesn't cost. I mean, they can stay the night. They can eat the food. They can use the clean restrooms. Everything Nothing cost them. And he says, don't use the word free. He said, because somebody paid for them to have this. It's a gift. So say to them, it's a gift for you. And we, we're not charging anything. It's just a gift. And when Natan said that, man, all of our hearts were stirred. Because how, how much do we say, oh, it's just free. It's a, uh, salvation is free. Salvation is free. No, it's not free. It costs Jesus everything. It's a gift. And he is offering that gift to everyone. And what his desire is, is for men and women and teenagers and boys and girls to hear the voice of, the God, uh, of God and offer this gift to a world that desperately needs him.